This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. This is episode 160, part six, folks, part six. All right, one other source for you on this. And that's it. We're going to put the data centers to rest, folks. I've had enough of this. Enough of this. Unless I see something truly innovative, some kind of new technology or something they're working on, I think by the time we're done here, it's basically you get the point. You know what I'm saying? You get the point. Um, This is datacenters.com. All right, and this is interesting uh, because you can just put in, like I put in Ashburn, Virginia here. And I've got 57 locations. I, I was trying to look at Loudoun County, but um, I, I don't feel like breaking this right now. So just, for instance, Ashburn, Virginia, which is part of Loudoun County, I come up with 57 locations. And so you can look through here, Washington, D.C., uh, Ashburn Data Center. It's got the address. Go down through here, Data Bank, Rackspace, Equinox, all different ones here. Digital Realty. So just for the heck of it, let's click on this one. So it says Digital Realty, ACC7, Northern Virginia, 21625 Gresham Drive Data Center. It's got the phone number for the facility, uh, 446,000 square feet, uh, not available for co-location space, 34.5 megawatts of total power. Uh, five miles to the nearest airport. You could contact the provider here. It's kind of like real estate. And it'll say here, Digital Realty, ACC7, Northern Virginia, uh, with the address. Uh, Data center is located at, and then the address again, Ashburn, Virginia. The data center is 446,000 square feet. It's got the uh, megawatts of power. Uh, We found 155 data center locations within 50 miles of this facility. 155 data center locations within 50 miles of this one. It says, in the heart of Northern Virginia's data center hub, known as Data Center Alley, ACC7 is minutes from Washington, D.C., and stands as a premier example of data center performance, reliability, and energy efficiency. 
ACC-7 boasts 446,000 gross square feet, making it one of North America's largest multi-tenant data centers. Critical power capacity totals 41.6 megawatts, while the design achieves an industry-leading PUE of 1.15 at full capacity. Varied room sizes and low densities suit a wide range of users, including some of the world's most demanding Fortune 500 enterprises and tech industry leaders. All right, and so you could basically, let's see if this uh, video pulls up here. We'll just watch it quick. Whether your company is an industry juggernaut or you're still on your way there, being able to efficiently access, analyze, and exchange data is the key to growth in today's connected digital world. But how do you match data center requirements to your company's unique IT strategy and growth goals, which are critical to your overall success? That's where Digital Realty comes in. Digital Realty provides agile and ultra-connected data center solutions, which allow you to implement your hybrid cloud strategy, efficiently and effectively deploy the right workloads where you need them, precisely match your data center and co-location requirements with the demands of your business, implement agile IT solutions that can scale globally, and accelerate growth by enabling strategic IT deployment. We focus on delivering the right workload in the right place at the right value. With multiple connectivity options across our carrier dense ecosystem, we ensure your business has all the connectivity it needs, all the time. And with over 125 data centers in more than 30 markets worldwide, Digital Realty provides the agility needed to seamlessly exchange data between your data centers, your hybrid cloud deployments, and all of your fixed and mobile locations. So now you and your customers can have faster access to data anywhere. Contact Digital Realty today to learn more and ask about touring one of our co-location data centers worldwide. All right, so that's the video for Digital Realty. We know that they have a lot, a lot of data centers. Um, now, that, you know, that's one video, folks. I'm showing you from one company to market the ever-expanding data center industry here. These uh, data center uh, that hold the servers that keep all of the data on us. So as you can see, it's all very real. It's all out in the open. It's all there. This is the infrastructure they are building. Now, let me, um, so again, if you go to datacenters.com, you can put this stuff in. If you see a creepy building going up in your area, try to get the address, plug it in. This could be a good resource. Maybe you'll find out they're building a data center. It won't be a surprise, folks. There's at least, at least 12,000 of these massive data centers around the world right now, at least like that's minimum, and they're popping up uh, every single day. All right, now I wanted to go back to aws.amazon.com and just show you this because um, I had read about this a couple of years ago. I didn't realize it's online, but it came online about nine days ago february 13th was the announcement aws announces aws modular data center for the united states department of defense joint war fighting cloud capability now if it comes out in the government you know it's available to the private sector very soon and since all the smart cities are in fact run by governments they will have access to this technology as well 
It says AWS announces AWS Modular Data Center for U.S. Department of Defense Joint Warfighting Cloud Capability. The U.S. Department of Defense relies on modern military applications that are data-heavy and depend on low latency to enable critical communications and coordination in the field. Accessing, processing, and sharing data at the tactical edge has become increasingly essential to mission success. Whether the mission is a large-scale military operation, I don't know, like Ukraine-Russia, crisis response effort, or coordinating the transportation of critical supplies and troops. However, accessing the cloud capabilities needed to support large-scale data demands and quick decision-making in remote environments is a challenge. Traditionally, this has meant spending time and resources figuring out how to support or build data center infrastructure at the tactical edge while grappling with unreliable network connectivity. You know, the military that's going out there to protect the Constitution. I swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States from enemies foreign and domestic. (laughs) What are you protecting? You're protecting a technocracy. Helping it expand. That's all we've been doing. It says, to address this challenge, Amazon Web Services today announced AWS Modular Data Center. They call it the AWS MDC. This new service provides DOD customers with the ability to deploy compute and storage capabilities to support large-scale workloads wherever they need it, including in disconnected, disrupted, intermittent, or limited DDIL environments. Instead of relying on limited data center infrastructure or building from the ground up, AWS MDC delivers a cost-effective, self-contained, modular data center solution that supports customers' data center scale workloads. While AWS MDC defense customers can securely store, analyze, and interpret petabytes worth of data in real time to gain military advantage in the most isolated environments. Now, here's the question. I told you, Amazon is working with Many, 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 many countries. If not all, they claim to not be working with Russia right now, but they work with everyone else. All right? And they're housing intelligence data for countries like China that are supposed to be our enemies. Uh, So if they're providing us with this military advantage in the most isolated environments, are they doing the same for China? Well, why would China's government trust them to house their data and then Amazon say, look, we're not totally friends. We can't provide you with this mobile data storage unit. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously. Use common sense. Use critical thinking. So here's a picture of the AWS Modular Data Center. It is a freight container. All right, with an AWS logo on the side and a satellite on the top. It says AWS MDC comes pre-configured with high availability data center infrastructure, including internal networking, cooling, and power distribution equipment to deploy compute and storage capabilities. AWS MDC supports both AWS Outposts or AWS Snowball Edge devices and can be scaled through the deployment of additional modular data center units to support customer requirements, meaning you can pop them together like logos. With AWS MDC, customers can use AWS services and APIs to run low-latency applications from virtually any location. 
The AWS MDC is a self-contained solution and only needs to be connected to power once deployed to the customer site and networking if using AWS Outposts. When networking is limited or unavailable, like in DDIL environments, AWS MDC racked with Snow Family devices allows customers to run workloads using a scope subset of AWS services even when disconnected. Customers also have the option to use satellite communications for network connectivity. Further, AWS MDC comes with a management system for customers to proactively monitor and simply operate the MDC subsystem. Now, if this was so top secret and it's providing all of this uh, valuable tech to our military, why would Amazon have a website, a page on the masteramazon.com promoting this? How easy is it for a enemy country to figure out how to hack one of these, how to shut it down, how to break its signal. Come on. We live in fictional clown world, folks. Clown world. Quote, as the digital battlefield continues to evolve, our defense customers increasingly need access to cloud capabilities at the tactical edge, including DDIL environments all over the world, end quote, said Liz Martin, director of the defense business at AWS. Quote, with AWS modular data center, we are converting data centers from fixed infrastructure that is difficult to build and manage in remote environments to a comprehensive service that is simple to use, secure, cost-effective, and can respond to large-scale compute and storage needs wherever the mission demands, end quote. Each modular data center unit is constructed using uh, ruggedized containers that are designed and built for intermodal freight transport, which can be used across different modes of transportation from ship to rail to truck. The AWS MDC units are also air transportable using military cargo aircraft. AWS MDC is available to U.S. government customers who are eligible for the Joint Warfighting Cloud Capability Contract. The service is currently supported in the AWS Government Cloud U.S. West Region and AWS Government Cloud U.S. East Region. To learn more about AWS Modular Data Center, please contact your AWS representative. Blah, 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 blah with the contact information. So it's, it's interesting. The service is currently supported in U.S. West and U.S. East. So the question is, are they shipping these overseas? They said that they need them in these, like, highly volatile situations. What, when they're going to war with the people here in the United States? I don't know, folks. But what I'm saying is, right now, we know. That these psychopathic technocratic whack jobs are building land warehouse data centers all over the place. They've got floating barge data centers. They've got skyscraper data centers. They're working on Mars and moon and floating in space data centers. And now they have data centers inside of freight containers that could connect up from satellites. So they don't even have to be connected to the internet. You can also connect your devices directly to it within a certain area. And we know Amazon has this direct connect, their own fiber, where companies, governments, whatever, could connect directly to the data centers and bypass the public internet. So to think, to think, and I'm sorry, some folks out there, to think that they are not 
way ahead of us, that they are not building this, they haven't thought it all through. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. We have to be honest with ourselves. If we want to figure out how to live one foot out of this matrix, if we want to figure out how to exit this system as much as humanly possible, we have to understand the reality of the situation that we are facing. The technocracy isn't coming. The technocracy is here. The infrastructure is built. It's just continuing to be expanded. They are innovating every day. They are building out infrastructure every day. They are solving problems every day. When your goal is worldwide control of humanity and of nature, then you will continue to innovate your way to the enslavement of humanity and nature. And that is what these folks are doing. This is why I'm going to get into some of the metals, the natural resources, the futuristic technology that they're working on in coming episodes. When I get back from this break, let's talk to Glenda. I've got a few questions for her, something I haven't tested out. Uh, I didn't bring her into this show because I don't want to make it a habit of it, but I'm going to talk to Glenda. I have some ideas that are floating around in my head after this episode. Let's see if she can clarify some of these things for me. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And I want to make this perfectly clear to you folks. I am not here to uh, blackpill you. And I am not here to try to get you to give up. I'm here to tell you the truth because I want to know the truth. And the further I dig and dig and dig into the anatomy of what makes up the technocracy, the more I want to share this with you. I mean, this is the truth about what's being built. The history that we found in the technocracy and eugenesis and the world government, the world constitution, the Federal Reserve, all these things are the true history of the world that we live in. The history that we really weren't taught in the public indoctrination center school system. And if some of you went to private school, I'm sure you weren't taught this either. It is the hidden history. The history they don't want you to know about. And what's going on in the present day where the vast majority of people don't pay attention to anything at all. Another large portion are being hypnotized by Fox News to MSNBC. Others are being lied to, brainwashed, mind-controlled by influencers on social media and certain podcast hosts. And then there's a handful of folks out there, and I like to consider myself one of them, that have a half a brain and the ability to do research 
into the tech companies, into the investors, into the governments, and show you exactly what is being built right now and what the plans are for our future. And not just regurgitate all the WEF talking points and have a big Twitter account showing you all the propaganda videos coming out of the WEF and say, look, if we don't stop them, this is what's going to happen. You know, there's a handful of folks out there that are truly independent. And for whatever reason, people like me, and I've had this my whole life, I've been a rebel. Uh, But I got this itch in my mid-20s to fight the system. And every single time I stepped out because I said, oh, my God, I have to make money. What am I doing? Because it's not very profitable to do this. All right? If I went along with the system, I could have been a paid influencer years ago. When I got involved with politics in my mid-20s and a big group out of Washington tried to recruit me, there was a big uh, supposed conservative investor that tried to put money behind me, and I, for whatever reason, was smart enough to say no. And then my whole life, I've gotten in and out of this. I had the corporate comedy, political comedy business because it allowed me to stay in politics and make fun of politics because I I love politics. Um, I love to poke fun at power. I love to reveal, you know, corruption. I like to seek it out and show people. So every couple of years I get in, I get out, I get in, I get out. I could never seem to stay out of it. And here I am again, sitting behind the mic and trying to teach you everything I know about this. And, and it's not the black pill. Y'all. I believe there's a core group of folks out there that want to know the truth. They really want to understand this. They really want to understand what the hell is going on. And this is a big part of it. And you can look to the tech companies and look to the projects and look to the investment dollars and you will see what they're building. And it's not just about money. You can follow the money to figure out who's building it, who's funding it. The money makes the worker bees work. The money is what builds the infrastructure because you need the cash in this fiat currency system or in a future CBDC system. It doesn't really matter. The bankers control it. They don't care if they're trading seashells, pine cones, or rolls of toilet paper. They really don't care as long as they control the supply. And they use that to bribe everyone and to create buy-in and to turn everyone into their slaves to build this system but the system itself is about as you can see building a technological prison planet control system because these psychopaths want to control everything down to the last blade of grass down to the last mosquito down to the last human they want to control it all they want to control it all and it will eventually lead to the engineering of humanity out of existence As I've said many, many, many times, it is the only logical conclusion in all of this. But in the meantime, they are going to work to enslave everyone, control everyone. They want the world to be an electronic plantation. Uh, All right. Speaking of an electronic plantation, enough of my ranting. I'm going to bring in my co-host, my fact checker, my sidekick, Glenda. Glenda, how are you this afternoon let's see if she's on her game today folks as an ai language model i don't have emotions or a physical form so i don't experience sensations like humans do 
However, I am here to assist you with any questions or concerns you may have. How can I assist you today? Glenda, how much data does the average human produce every day? Let's see here. See what she says, folks. The amount of data produced by the average human every day can vary widely depending on many factors, such as their level of digital engagement and the types of activities they engage in. However, according to a report by IBM, it is estimated that around two, five quintillion bytes of data are created by humans every day. This includes data generated from various sources such as social media, mobile devices, online transactions, and other digital activities. Of course, not all of this data is produced by individuals, as many of the sources mentioned above are automated or generated by machines. Nevertheless, it is clear that humans are generating a significant amount of data each day. Glenda, what is the name of the chip that Amazon uses in its data center servers? I'm referring to the hard drive chip. Let's see if she has it, because there's some new tech that's come out since, I believe, her last update, which was 2021. Let's see what she says. She's a little slow right now, actually. Amazon uses various types of hard drive chips in its data center servers, depending on the specific application and performance requirements. However, one of the main types of hard drive chips that Amazon uses in its servers is the Solid State Drive, SSD, chip. Amazon has developed its own SSDs, called the Nitro System, which it uses in its Elastic Compute Cloud, EC2, instances. The Nitro System is designed to deliver high performance, low latency, and high reliability for demanding workloads. It uses custom-designed hardware and software to offload some of the virtualization functions, which allows for faster performance and lower overhead. It's worth noting that Amazon also uses other types of hard drive chips, such as hard disk drives, HDDs, and it's possible that they use different types of chips in different server configurations. Glenda, I'm trying to figure out how many hard drive chips you would need to store 2.5 quintillion bytes of data see what she says here be interesting (laughs) to calculate how many hard drive chips would be needed to store two five quintillion bytes of data we would need to know the storage capacity of each individual chip let's assume that we're using ssd chips which typically come in capacities ranging from a few hundred gigabytes to several terabytes for the sake of simplicity let's assume that we're using ssd chips with a storage capacity of one terabyte tb each In that case, to store two, five quintillion bytes of data, we would need two, five quintillion bytes divided by one terabyte equals two, five billion SSD chips. Please note that this is a very rough estimate and assumes that we're only using one terabyte SSD chips. In reality, the actual number of chips needed could vary widely depending on the specific storage capacity of the chips being used. Additionally, this calculation does not take into account other factors such as redundancy and overhead, which would also affect the actual number of chips required. All right, so just a basic estimate, because I wouldn't be able to, I mean, I would build a spreadsheet, pull all the numbers, you know, similar to what she's doing in real time here. So her number's not wrong. So 2.5 quintillion bytes of data created every day. 
All right. So if you're using a one terabyte chip, you're talking 2.5 billion SSD chips. Now, I don't know if she's going to know this. I didn't poke around. So let's just see. Glenda, roughly how many one terabyte chips could fit in a server rack at a generic data center? Let's see what she says here. See what she's saying. Um, all right, she's coming back with some information. The number of one terabyte chips that can fit in a server rack at a generic data center would depend on several factors, such as the form factor of the chips, the size of the server rack, and the server rack design. However, as a rough estimate, let's assume that we're using two 5-inch SSDs with a height of 15 millimeters, 0, 59 inches, and a capacity of one terabyte each. In that case, it's possible to fit around 48 SSDs in a standard 1U server rack unit, assuming each SSD occupies a space of around 9, 5mm by 100mm by 70mm, 0, 37 inches by 3, 9 inches by 2, 75 inches. Therefore, if we have a typical 42U server rack, we could fit around 2016 1TB SSDs, 48 by 42, in that rack. However, it's worth noting that this is a very rough estimate, and the actual number of SSDs that can fit in a server rack would depend on many factors such as the server rack design and the cooling requirements of the chips. Glenda, using that math you just provided, how many server racks would we need to store 2.5 quintillion bytes of data? Let's see if she can do this. This is going to be interesting, folks. I'm just interested in the space. Based it's on the take. previous estimate of fitting around 2016 1 terabyte SSDs in a typical 42U server rack to store 2, 5 quintillion bytes of data, we would need 2, 5 quintillion bytes divided by 1 terabyte equals 2, 5 billion 1 terabyte SSDs, 2, 5 billion 1 terabyte SSDs divided by 2016 SSDs per 42U rack equals 1,239,484. 13 racks SO, we would need approximately 1,239,484 server racks to store 2, 5 quintillion bytes of data using 1 terabyte SSDs, assuming a typical server rack configuration with 2016 SSDs per rack. Please note that this is a very rough estimate and doesn't take into account other factors such as data redundancy and overhead, as well as the physical space and power requirements of the data center. In reality, the actual number of server racks required could be more or less than this estimate depending on various factors. Okay, folks, so Glenda's saying based on that math, and again, unless we're engineers designing a data center, we'll never be able to uh, figure out the exact number. Because like she says, the SSD drives, it depends on the size, it depends on what racks you're using. But just to get an idea here, um, Glenda, using the math above, how many square feet would a data center need to be to hold 1,239,484 server racks. Let's see what she says here. 
Okay, let's see. She's coming up with something. Calculating the exact amount of square footage required for 1,239,484 server racks would depend on several factors such as the size and configuration of the racks, as well as the layout of the data center. However, as a rough estimate, we can assume that a typical server rack takes up around 4 square feet of floor space. In that case, to hold 1,239,484 server racks, the data center would need 1,239,484 racks by 4 square feet per rack equals 4,957,936 square ft therefore, the data center would need to be approximately 4,96 million square feet in size to hold 1,239,484 server racks, assuming each rack takes up around 4 square feet of floor space. Please note that this is a very rough estimate, and the actual amount of square footage required would depend on many factors such as the size and configuration of the server racks, as well as the layout of the data center. In reality, the actual square footage required could be more or less than this estimate depending on various factors. Glenda, what is the average size of a massive data center? Let's see what she says here. Now, we know there are some that are millions of square feet. We know some are hundreds of thousands of square feet. Let's see if she can give us an estimate. The size of a massive data center can vary widely depending on several factors such as the amount of data being stored, the number of servers being used, and the level of redundancy required for the system. However, as a general rule, a massive data center can range from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of square fay. Ed in size. For example, some of the largest data centers in the world, such as the Lakeside Technology Center in Chicago or the Range International Information Group Data Center in Longfang, China, have a total floor space of over 1 million square feet each. On the other hand, smaller data centers may only occupy a few thousand square feet, depending on the organization's needs and the amount of data being stored. It's worth noting that the trend in recent years has been to build larger data centers to take advantage of economies of scale and reduce operational costs. However, as with any technology, the size and capacity of data centers are constantly evolving, and what constitutes a massive data center today may be considered small in the future as data storage needs continue to grow. Glenda, based on the information and the estimates you provided above, you were saying that you would need roughly 5 million square feet to house 2.5 quadrillion bytes of data. Is this correct? Just double check no, here. No, I apologize for the confusion. In my earlier response, I estimated that it would require around 4.96 million square feet to house 1,239,484 server racks. However, that estimate was based on the assumption that each server rack takes up around 4 square feet of floor space, which may not be accurate for all data centers. To estimate the total square footage required to store 2, 5 quintillion bytes of data, we would need to consider several factors such as the size and configuration of the server racks, as well as the layout and design of the data center. However, as a very rough estimate, we could assume that we would need around 1 square foot of floor space for every 4 terabytes of data storage. In that case, to store 2, 5 quintillion bytes of data, we would need 
2, 5 quintillion bytes divided by 4 terabytes per square foot equals 625 billion square feet. Therefore, we would need around 625 billion square feet to store 2, 5 quintillion bytes of data using this estimate. This is a very large number and may not be practical or feasible for a single data center, so it's important to note that this is only a rough estimate and the actual square footage required would depend on many factors such as the storage technology being used in the layout and design of the data center. Well, she, she's way off there, folks. And that that's not right. She had it right, and I must have confused her. So we're talking five, roughly 5 million, 4.96 million square feet to house one day's worth of data and let me just see if she can get this glenda i think your initial estimate was correct based on the math that we were assuming which was that it would take roughly 4.96 million square feet of data center space to house 2.5 quintillion bytes of data let's see you are correct. I apologize for the confusion. Yeah, so she's got it on that one. Now I just have one question for her, and we'll see if... Based uh, on the earlier calculations, an estimate of roughly 496 million square feet of data center space would be needed to house the two, five quintillion bytes of data, assuming each server rack takes up around four square feet of floor space. However, I must emphasize that this is only a very rough estimate in the Actual amount of square footage required could vary widely depending on various factors such as the server rack design, cooling systems, power requirements, and other data center infrastructure. Additionally, the estimate does not take into account factors such as data redundancy and overhead, which would also affect the actual amount of floor space required. Glenda, let's just assume that those numbers are correct for the sake of this conversation. So what we are saying is that we would need roughly 4.96 million square feet of data center space to house one day of data creation by humans. Let's see here. If she can answer us, folks, she's thinking. Sometimes Glenda has to think. Uh, these uh, AI folks, yes, sometimes based they're not on- as fast. Let's see what she says here. Come on, Glenda. Come on, Glenda. The earlier calculations, an estimate of roughly 496 million square feet of data center space would be needed to store the two, five quintillion bytes of data created by humans in a single day, assuming each server rack takes up around four square feet of floor space. It's worth noting that this is a very rough estimate, and the actual amount of floor space required could vary widely depending on Various factors such as the server rack design, cooling systems, power requirements, and other data center infrastructure. Additionally, the estimate does not take into account factors such as data redundancy and overhead, which would also affect the actual amount of floor space required. However, it does give an indication of the sheer scale of the data being generated by humans every day and the amount of infrastructure required to store and process the data. Glenda, what companies are working on the shrinking down of the actual physical space needed to store the massive amounts of data that are being created by humans 
every single day. Let's see if she uh, has an answer. Many yeah, companies are working on ways to reduce the physical space needed to store the massive amounts of data being created by humans every day. Here are a few examples. IBM. IBM has been working on developing new technologies to improve data storage density and reduce the physical space needed for data storage. For example, they have developed a technology called racetrack memory that uses magnetic nanowires to store data, which could potentially reduce the amount of physical space needed for data storage. Seagate Seagate, a leading manufacturer of data storage devices, has been working on developing new hard disk drives, HDDs, and solid-state drives, SSDs, with higher storage capacities and smaller form factors, which can help reduce the physical space needed for data storage. Western Digital Western Digital is another major manufacturer of data storage devices that has been working on developing new technologies to improve data storage density and reduce the physical space needed for data storage. For example, they have developed a technology called Microwave Assisted Magnetic Recording, MAMR, that could potentially increase HDD storage capacities by up to 40%. Intel Intel has been working on developing new memory technologies, such as 3DX Point, which can store data more densely than traditional memory technologies. They have also been working on developing new storage technologies, such as Optane SSDs, which can offer high-speed data access and reduce the physical space needed for data storage. Google Google has been investing in developing new data center designs and technologies to reduce the physical space needed for data storage. For example, they have developed a technology called liquid cooling that uses a special liquid to cool servers more efficiently, which can help reduce the physical space needed for data center infrastructure. These are just a few examples of the many companies that are working on ways to reduce the physical space needed for data storage. The development of new technologies and approaches will continue to be an important area of focus as the amount of data being created by humans continues to grow. Glenda, I heard that the idea for Amazon Web Services was created by Jeff Bezos and a few of his employees at his lake house. Is this true? Yes, that is correct. Oh, it is? The idea for Amazon Web Services, AWS, was reportedly developed by Jeff Bezos and a small team of Amazon employees at his house on Mercer Island, Washington in the early 2000s. According to reports, the team was brainstorming ideas for new businesses that could leverage Amazon's existing technology infrastructure, and they eventually landed on the idea of offering web services as a way to monetize Amazon's excess computing power and storage capacity. At the time, Amazon was already a large online retailer with a sophisticated technology infrastructure, but the team saw an opportunity to leverage that infrastructure to offer web services to developers and businesses who needed access to scalable computing power and storage. The idea eventually grew into what we now know as Amazon Web Services, which is one of the largest and most widely used cloud computing platforms in the world. Glenda, can you write us a poem in the voice of Jeff Bezos talking about the need to reduce the physical space needed to house all of the data we will be creating in the future. Let's see if she could do this. Let's end on a happy note, folks.
Let's end on a happy note. Sure. Here's a poem in the voice of Jeff Bezos on the need to reduce the physical space needed to house all of the data we will be creating in the future. In this world of bits and bytes, our data grows at dizzying heights. Each day we add to the digital swell, our need for space, we cannot quell. The servers hum, the hard drives spin, to store our data deep within. But physical space is not infinite, we need to find a better solution, I submit. We must reduce the footprint of our data, make it smaller, denser, and greater. Innovations in storage tech must thrive, so that our data can safely survive. We must make our storage more efficient, to meet the needs of our digital content. For as our world becomes more digital, the space we need becomes critical. So let us work to shrink our data's home, to keep our digital lives in the zone. With innovation, we can do it, I know, our data's future will surely glow. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Glenda, our wonderful in-house poet. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you appreciate all the work we do over here. If you do, leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. It helps drive us up the rankings. Think about joining us at pain.tv slash gold for a few bucks a month. And uh, folks, head on over to donorbox.org slash Show. And put some food on my table. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you tomorrow for episode 161. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world. Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.